Stuart Holman here. Welcome back to the ninth devotional in our Growing Disciples series on the book of Acts. Uh, in this form of devotional, our best approach seems to be to dive into certain events fairly deeply that represent the whole flow of the book. We look at the part to understand the whole. And, and today we're going to do just that as we look at Paul's ministry in Ephesus, in a very important city at the intersection of a number of trade routes. Uh, Ephesus, of course, was also renowned for its great temple of Artemis, which was built around about 600 BC and considered one of the seven architectural wonders of the ancient world. It had been destroyed and rebuilt a couple of times before Paul ever arrived at Ephesus, but the worship of the deity Artemis was undiminished. Artemis was a fertility goddess, and her statue was the, the centerpiece of the temple. It, uh, the, the statue had, had mysterious terms engraved on its crown and a girdle and the feet, which were said to have great magical power. They were like incantations. And this seemed to reflect a widespread fascination with magical practices and the use of power, spiritual power, in Ephesus. It was a significant part of the Ephesian culture. We've already noted in our series on the book of Acts that God seems to enable the communication of the gospel in various ways to be adapted to local conditions, even though the heart of the gospel message is unchanged. The significance of the death, the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus is fixed, but its presentation is adaptive. And so in Ephesus, throughout Paul's two or three year stay, we see that God overthrows the powers of magic and the cult of Artemis as the gospel message is proclaimed and as it's believed. And so we pick up the narrative in Acts chapter 9, verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Now, while the special powers of Paul's personal objects, it sounds a bit kind of weird and magical and a bit fantastical, those kind of miracles make perfect sense in the Ephesian context. We, we don't have things like that happening today, presumably because God decides that such miraculous powers and signs will actually just not be helpful in communicating the gospel in our context. But this was part of the great spiritual conflict in Ephesus. Uh, verse 13, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. This narrative, it's almost comical, but the point is clear. Spiritual authority in Ephesus belongs to the ascended Lord Jesus. The power of Jesus is not a toy or a tool to be messed with. It's not an abstract force to be wielded like a Star Wars lightsaber. Instead, Jesus' personal spiritual authority and power is exercised through his servants only for his purposes. 
The significance of this event, however, is immediately obvious to the people of Ephesus. Jesus, not Artemis, is Lord. So verse 17, uh, when this, that is the event with the seven sons of Sceva, when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Now, not everyone in Ephesus was happy about this, especially those who made a rather tidy living out of the cult of Artemis. Verse 23. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. Now, you remember that the way is the earliest name given to Christianity. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together, along with the workers in related trades, and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Great trade union kind of talk, really, but Demetrius has accurately understood the emerging situation. If Jesus Christ is Lord then Artemis is not. This is the case with all other deities, objects of worship and affection. If Jesus is Lord, all others must fall away. Verse 28, when the Ephesians heard this, they were furious and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's travelling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theatre together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theatre. They were concerned, obviously, he's going to get torn to shreds in there. Uh, verse 32, the assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defence before the people. When they realised he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Now I'm trying to imagine this scene in my mind. I'm, I'm seeing something like a seething football crowd chanting wildly for their team perhaps in London or in Manchester, maybe Brisbane or at the G. Nothing in my city of Sydney ever comes close. But for all the passion 
and the intensity, all the noise and the shouting in the great theatre of Ephesus, nothing actually changes. Jesus Christ is still Lord of all and Artemis is just a wooden statue. But someone has to say something to this crowd. And so, verse 35, the city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and her image, which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You've brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have an grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there's anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we're in danger of being charged with rioting because of what's happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. A wise man, really, I guess. Um, after he'd said this, he dismissed the assembly. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, he said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. Now, I think to some extent that the situation in Ephesus kind of remains unresolved, therefore that the reality and the power of the spiritual realm is, is, is clear, it remains, but everyone in Ephesus knows that Jesus Christ is Lord, even and especially there in the spiritual realm. He's not merely the crucified one, but he is also the resurrected Messiah who rules over everything in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, temporal and spiritual. All of which actually makes a whole lot more sense of what Paul wrote back to the Ephesian Christians to encourage them after he'd gone. And so I want to conclude our devotional today by just reflecting on some of the things that Paul had to say when he wrote the book of Ephesians. He begins, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at, sorry, at his right hand, in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We see how Jesus is proclaimed as Lord over everything, spiritual and carnal, invisible and visible. He concludes his letter to the Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. The posture of victory, standing firm at the end. Paul assures the Ephesians of that truth.